0: Welcome to Singing the Blues. I'm Don Housen. And I'm James Barriott. Um, and this feels like oops, oh, like a proper football podcast we've got stuff that's happened and we've got news and things to um, to talk about this week which is uh, which is a novelty so last week we got talking a little bit about um, potentially whether the championship season will uh, restart now you mentioned there'd been this date knocking about of the 20th of June which had been kind of doing the rounds a little bit but you thought that might be too soon and it would probably be more likely to be the 24th of June and then about two hours after we finished recording it was announced that the 20th of June is the date that um, the EFL are aiming to get the championship season restarted I guess I'm a bit like you in terms of the fact that that does feel like a fairly quick turnaround and there's been some suggestions that um, maybe the clubs weren't entirely well not even entirely aware of that date before it was announced
1: oh yeah 100% um, from speaking to a few clubs in the championship yeah they certainly weren't happy with the communication from the EFL and the lack of notice that they were given uh, to Sunday's decision I think it was pretty much like 40-45 minutes um before the announcement that they were given a heads up that it was happening uh, and I think the championship club specifically Wednesday uh, you know we've spoken the media to uh, Gary Monk virtual press conference for the second time this week and Gary Monk's very strong views on this matter and it's hard to really disagree with him. There'll be some people out there suggesting that, oh, you know, he's getting his excuses in early uh, and he's complaining about uh, the fact that there is going to be such a quick turnaround. But it is ridiculous that they've only just gone back into contact training Sheffield Wednesday and many other championship clubs Uh, And they've got just over two weeks of that, and then they're going into a very intense, busy period of nine matches, that they've got to play in the space of around three weeks. So I think it's totally understandable uh, that Sheffield Wednesday have got the reservations about this, uh, as have many other clubs in the Championship. So I, I completely get where they're coming from on this. Uh, and, of course, it's emerged as well that uh, one of Sheffield Wednesday's backroom staff uh, has also contracted uh, coronavirus, so they're going to be self-isolating for the next week. Uh, and we're going to find out in the next round of testing as well what the numbers will be. I think, uh, you know, from the last you know, the four-day period that they did, that there was about um, 10 positive tests uh, in the Championship, so if that number goes up any more than that in the next round of testing well it's all going to come to a head anyway James next week that's when I think on Tuesday the 9th that's when the clubs are going to be voting through for the next round of proposals and ironing out uh, and finalising a few of these bits of detail so I think we'll learn more next week anyway It just I
0: mean my sort of complaint with it it, well, I mean, I've got several complaints with it. I I, I think that um, uh, a- a- anything that's putting lives at risk right now is is a ridiculous thing to do. But this, it just feels so rushed, doesn't it? It just feels like, you know, as far as I can see, um, whenever they do the round of tests throughout the, the league, the number of positive results seems to be going up, not going down. So that immediately is, is the opposite trend to what you want. Ten last time is is ten too many, and um, it, it, this is good. This is going to be an issue when you're testing. Is it twice a week that they that they test? So um, if there's even if it's someone that's backroom staff, there's there's a good there's got to be a high risk that they could have given it to someone else, but it's not being picked up on that round of tests. Um, and you know we're going to see this across all the clubs that have had someone that's tested. Um, positive and it just feels like it's been rushed through because for whatever contractual reasons they need to get this season finished even though all the evidence suggests that it's just it's too soon and it's not safe
1: Hard to argue really with what you're saying I I do think it's very rushed and uh, um, it, it seems to me to very much be a case of it's the millions of pounds at stake isn't it and it's that holy grail the clubs at the top of the championship are chasing that Premier League dream and you look at Leeds who we don't like to mention obviously on this podcast but they've been outside of the Premier League for what was it 15 odd years and so this is their best chance of going up and uh, in a long time so Uh, from their point of view of course you're going to have huge divisions across the divisions and in all the you know the AFL of the teams who are challenging up at the top end wanting the season to be restarted teams in the middle not so fussed, and then teams at the bottom um, who will yeah clearly not be probably too disappointed deep down if the season was null and void but but yeah the way things are going they do seem Hell bent on finishing the season one way or another, and I I get the moral issue that you're bringing up completely. That really, it feels like at times the footballers in this they're getting lost, and they're they're human beings. And you're right that you're risking putting people's lives, you know, on the line here uh, when. We're no nearer getting a vaccination Uh, and yet football, we're trying to say to them, right, yeah, let's get back to normal. Uh, And I get the whole, let's try and get some positivity and hope and optimism and everything that football brings with it. So that's why it'd be great if we can get football back, but let's get it back when it's safe to do so. And Right now, you'd have to say it's not.
0: Absolutely, and, um, it, it, does, yeah, it does feel like footballers have become numbers. You know, those, those 10 people who've tested positive throughout the, the league, whether they're footballers or backroom staff, they're all people that have got names and they've got families and, you know, they, they're, they're having to put themselves at risk for their job because they're being told that they've got to do that and, and that just seems, you know, in, inherently wrong. We know that football is is not an industry where it is possible for everyone to socially distance, right? And and you've got this weird situation with the, the games that have, have restarted over in Germany now where you've got all the subs sat kind of two metres apart from each other on the bench wearing a mask and then they come on and the, everyone's diving on top of each other and it's like, it's clearly football is is not going to be, it's never going to be possible to socially distance. There is a huge risk factor that's involved in it. Um, on on any given football pitch, if there's one person out there that that has the virus, chances are that's at least another twenty-one people that will also catch that virus because that's just how how it, it works. That's the way that football is. And um, yeah, it's, it's it's it all feels like it's a it's a real mess. This and um, I, I, I like many many fans just do not feel. Comfortable with the pace at which it's moving and the reasons for which it's moving at that that pace, which uh, uh, just seem completely wrong. Um, obviously, you mentioned you chatted to Gary Monk. We will hear from him um a little bit um later on. You mentioned there as well that it's it's uh, a member of backroom staff. Now, I, I'd actually not been aware of that. I didn't know whether or not it was a, a player or someone behind the scenes. So, it is definitely not uh, an actual player.
1: No, yeah, it's a backroom staff, uh, and the the club put out statement. Uh, the other day uh, very short uh, you know on it I, and the, that will I, I imagine be confidential and they will try to keep that in-house that's a private matter uh, and they'll be hoping obviously that once that, that individual is self-isolated that they then come back into the fold in a week or so's time and that they'll, uh, they'll be able to get back on and, and do the job but then of course things will have changed by then in terms of uh, we're going to see what happens with contact training and how things sort of shape up with that, really. Uh, and and I think this is where the step for the players. This is the acid test now uh, of where. It uh, is some. I I do believe that there'll be some players who are going to be uncomfortable with this, uh, and you wonder. Yeah, Gary Monk was saying uh, to the media that no players have refused to train you know, we've seen that at Charlton uh, they've got three players who are unwilling to train and their circumstances with them being out of contract at the end of the season you can see both sides of the coin and where they're coming from and, and Wednesday don't have that with their out of contract players uh, where none of them have turned around and said so far that they don't want to play in the remaining nine fixtures but that who knows it could change and and yeah, you know, with contact training, how they may feel about it, uh, things could alter. Things could move very quickly, so it's one of them, really, where we're going to have to wait and see what happens.
0: It it does feel like this next set of tests is really pivotal doesn't it? Because it, it, it could, it's, it feels like it's sort of on a knife edge of just going really, really, really wrong because you're right. Those, those players who've maybe been, you know, happy to, to train, even though they're probably cautious about it. I'd imagine every footballer is cautious about it. Um, but you know if if there's suddenly a further spike in the number of um of positive tests in the next round you think there's going to be a lot of those players who've maybe been a bit uncertain that just go look this it's not it's not worth it um I, i've got to step away from from this because there's families and there's you know there's girlfriends wives partners children parents there's you know thousands of of people who you know uh, have a knock on effect of uh, of any person regardless of whether it's a footballer
1: or anyone that's having to put themselves effectively in the firing line absolutely yeah you nailed that 100% james we forget sometimes that footballers you know they're human beings and they've got friends and family loved ones so they've got all that to consider Uh, And when you look and focus on the out-of-contract players, uh, it's still, from the last time we did the podcast, still not moved forward there with that situation. And time is rapidly running out over what's going to happen with the futures and stuff. Um, But it's that dilemma, isn't it, for them? of uh, where? What do they do? Do they want to play a part in the remaining matches for Wednesday, but knowing that uh, all it takes is a leg breaker, a bad tackle. And that's their career then for the next, say 12 months, maybe 18 months. Whoever, who knows like how long they could be out of action for. If they've got a serious injury. And, and and that's why they've got to, you know, if you play, you know, they'd be looking at the bigger picture and, and, and looking to do what's right for them. And I, and I actually think that's where Gary Monk for me has been really impressive. Um, When in his chats with us, in that uh, you know he's very much a manager who he he does care about the welfare of the players, uh, and and he's he's been stressing that all the time. Um, When I do think that uh, footballers at times over the last month or two, the names have been sort of dragged in the mud, really, by some of the stories that have been written and. Uh, this, that and the other, but I actually think that, you know, Gary Monk, uh, I, I think, is very much saying that the club will try to support the players as best they can, whatever decisions that they end up making.
0: So, as it stands, we are potentially, what, just over a couple of weeks away from um, the the first game, which feels, um, it feels very quick, it's an awfully quick kind of turnaround um there, so the the players just about to step up to that next level of training as well with with contact training. Um, is that any day now? It's it's kind of imminent, isn't it?
1: Yeah, no, they started this week uh, yeah. of Wednesday with contact training, but it's just as Gary Monk said, totally it is a- totally inadequate. It really isn't good enough, uh, and the the understanding I think for some of the Championship clubs was that. They were a week behind the Premier League, and so that June the twenty fourth, the twenty fifth, they did think they would have maybe three weeks of contract, contact training, and instead it's going to be just over two, you know, two and a bit. So, and that, yeah, you know, that's going to be huge. That's going to make a big difference. I know there has been, I think, a suggestion that maybe in that first week of matches, so Wednesday would have Nottingham Forest at home as an example, there maybe wouldn't be a midweek game. And then, so Bristol City would be the week after, if you see what I mean. But I still think that the word is rushed. That that's what this is. It's like we're trying to fit uh, as many matches as we possibly can to get that feast of football, and to so that we you can we can complete the season by July the thirty first. And it almost feels like where's the where is actually the wiggle room, and what would be wrong in going into August. But the EFL, they've set out their guidelines, they've set the store out of what they want to achieve and what they want to do. And so, yeah, clubs have got to get on with it. That's it, really.
0: It's so hard to see when you look at the number of fixtures that's left, this idea of, you know, not having um midweek games every week you just think well wh- where on earth are they going to get played i mean it's like there's still quite a lot of games nine games is 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 a lot you know that is in theory that should be two months worth of football and you're cramming it there into barely barely five six weeks i, I just can't figure out how that's uh how that's going to work but i guess we're probably not far away from getting some more information about the fixtures and how that's going to pan out. Um, is there a risk here that the clubs could veto this?
1: There could be, yeah. I, w- I think, again, that the round of testing before that June the 9th, next Tuesday's day, uh, I, I think that could be pivotal, really, and that may sway some clubs one way or another. Uh, I, th- I think Wednesday, uh, the noises coming out from the camp, really, are that they're glad-to-be-back training, and they want to finish the season. But I think deep down, uh, the club are unhappy that it is being rushed through and that they would have liked an extra week of preparation time. And that is not Gary Monk moaning um, about that. It's just it's stating a fact. that, And I feel a lot of managers in the Championship would support him, really, in that, you know, we saw... Sort of QPR's chief executive, who was uh, scathing about it as well, um, the you know the timing of that statement earlier this week from the AFL, uh, and it is, it's, I think it, it plays into the hands really of the, the the teams who've got the large squads, James, who can rotate players. I think it's that's where it's the survival, the fittest. Uh, so Wednesday, actually, I think, might not shape up too badly, really. When you look at it, the, all the injuries have cleared up. Uh, other than Kevin Westwood, everybody else is fit. And let's face it, Kevin Westwood wasn't going to play anyway in the last nine matches. So in that respect, it's not a big loss. But yeah, Wednesday actually will have a luxury of up front, we talked about the other day, They've got eight, nine options, so a ridiculous amount of players and options there uh, to be able to cope with the amount of matches they've got to play.
0: Um, before we hear from Gary Monk, let's talk about um, contracts. Now, we, we hinted earlier on about the number of out-of-contract players that Wednesday have got and still a lot of loose ends to tie up. Although there have been some that have been, um, well, certainly one that was um, sorted earlier on this week that perhaps was quite unexpected because probably wasn't on most people's list of uh, of players that we'd be looking to, to get re-signed. So Joey Pellipesi, the club, taking out the option to extend his contract. Contract by um, another year. This has not gone down terribly well on on social media, and you can you can sort of understand this because he the games that he was playing um, probably for the whole of this season really he's not been overly effective. So what what what's your thoughts on this one?
1: I think we might disagree with this uh, on this one, James. Uh, I, I actually think it's a sensible move by the club uh, for a number of reasons that. Um, Talking specifically about Joey, the person, uh, he is very popular in the dressing room. And uh, I, I, having spoken to him on a number of occasions over the years, you know, he is one of the nicest footballers I've ever met. Um, and I, I think that, you know, you want him to do well. And he's an excellent trainer and he's not the type who kicks up a fuss if he's left out and doesn't play every week. And uh, I think what, that's what we've seen at Wednesday. He's a squad player um, as he hasn't at, at any stage really, when he has been given him the opportunity and had a run of matches, he's never grasped it. Uh, and I, I'd like to think that he can maybe take heart from uh, I mentioned Morgan Fox as someone who's resurrected his Sheffield Wednesday career. So if he's looking for some sort of inspiration, you don't need to look very far as Morgan Fox. And then going years back, someone we've talked about during the lockdown episodes as well, Lewis Buxton, another one who managed to turn things around. So it's not impossible that Joey Pellipessi could come good. The fact is, he's played 70-odd matches for Sheffield Wednesday, and I I would struggle to find 10 matches where he's been at, 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 say, 8 out of 10 level. I I, I think most Wednesday fans would probably be in agreement with that. Um, But, other reasons that I think it it, it makes sense, they paid half a million for him, let's not forget that, uh, back in January 2018. So, He'd have left for nothing. So Wednesday would they'd have lost money on that. Um, whereas actually, if even if he's not someone who's going to figure under Gary Monk, say, next season, or say Gary Monk wants to bring in another midfielder and then goes, all right, I'll put Jerry Pellipessi on the transfer list, make him available, then Wednesday could actually make some of their money back on him, potentially. Just So I'm looking at it from a financial aspect. The Wednesday are going to lose could, could lose a lot of players who they've spent money on this summer. Fernando Forestieri as an example, three million. Sam Winnell, half a million. So Joey Pellipesi would have been another half a million. And he's not a big earner. He he's twenty seven, so he's still a good age. And it's a midfield option there where now you're looking at it and you think Wednesday've now got four players. So we've got Barry Bannon, Massimo Luongu. You'd think they're going to be the first choice. And Joey Pellipesi is going to be, I think, pushing with and challenging with Alex Hunt, isn't he? To try and be third choice, to be the backup there in central midfield. So I think when you throw all that into the mix, that's why I come to the conclusion that I don't think um, it's daft at all Wednesday taking up that option.
0: Uh I can take some of your points there. The, the thing that I can't get away from is that I, I just don't feel that Joey Pellipesi is the level of player that you know I hoped that we'd be um looking at. You know, we've we've talked about our dream squad for next season earlier this summer. Neither has it got Joey Pellipesi anywhere near it. You know, he was he was gone, bags packed and he was he was gone. So I I guess I guess there's a there's a moment of Realization for me, and I guess a lot of fans will be like me, which is a realization maybe of, you know, where, where we're going to be at this summer in terms of reshaping this squad. Uh, And also maybe just where football is, and the fact that you know maybe this wasn't in the plans three four months ago, and things have changed because the fact that you know the 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 entire world of football has been shaken up, and football finance is is very much kind of you know under under the spotlight at the moment, and you know maybe what budgets the club thought it was going to be working to have have had to be revised, and it's become apparent that you know maybe a, a complete. To, uh, changeover of this squad is, is not as possible as it might have been at one point I, I don't know it, it's just it, it's a it's just a a, a, a realisation that I don't know just doesn't particularly inspire me that's I guess is the, <laughs> no, is, the, is, the is the problem
1: I, I do get where you're coming from James and I think that was the reaction of a lot of fans of where they think that this is uninspiring and shows a lack of ambition and that they would have preferred if the club had just said goodbye to Jerry Pellipesi, but he's a low-maintenance player uh, and you know, incredibly hard-working, committed and dedicated uh, guy and I think he's good behind the scenes and so I, I think they weighed everything up and looked at it and thought the financial climate has changed massively with this and so yeah I, they, I think maybe are looking at it and going that you keep Jerry pessi and then central midfield, you don't have to be maybe as concerned with when there could be a lot of reshaping uh, up front. As an example of where that that's going to be a position where you've got to think Wednesday are going to have to significantly strengthen should they let a lot of those or those out contract players not stay, and then the loan players will go back to their parent clubs. I get where you're coming from completely. I do. I think maybe this is one of those where Wednesday have revised their plans. So maybe originally they weren't thinking we're going to keep Jerry pelle but then they've looked at, well, we don't know the full impact yet that COVID-19 is going to have on football. So maybe actually let's get one of the out-of-contract players Boxed off now, and that's one less thing to worry about. Because let's face it, I think there are harder ones that they're going to maybe have more trouble trying to keep than Joey pelipesi
0: I, I do get all that. The, the thing is, it then leads me to think. Well, you know, if if there's a compromise there, and the thought, well, actually, Joey pelipesi you know, maybe as a squad player, is worth is worth keeping. You then think, well. Does that mean, you know, is that new you now in with a shout of getting a new contract? Do they start looking at players like, you know, Sam Winall and thinking, actually, you know, at the age that he's at, maybe we'll maybe we'll keep him. And actually, this sort of this thing we've all been talking about in terms of the need for a real um, just a massive kind of clean out of this squad actually becomes less and less likely but I mean I don't know we, we can only see on that there have been two other players as well um, who've had um, contract extensions this week um, so Asazi Origidi and Matt Penny have both had um, extensions on their contract or options to extend their contract taken out but um, Probably not a great surprise in either of those. We talked about Matt Penny a few times. I think we all thought that um, Big O was probably a given because you know, he's, he's at such a good age and, and quite an exciting prospect, although a couple of you know torrid games for him um, in the first half of the season. Um, but Matt Penny obviously has been away in loan, uh, on learning in Germany um, and again, someone that I think we, we kind of expected would probably have his contract extended.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's... Again, good moves really by the club. These are two young players uh-huh. who I think will improve and develop good coaching. You've seen obviously a lot of Matt Penny this year and hasn't necessarily lit up the, uh, Bundesliga 2. But still, I, I think actually for him to go out and try and test himself in a, a new country, new league... Uh, new language everything that uh, comes with it not many British players over the years have actually chanced their arm and thought I'm going to go abroad uh, to sort of broaden my horizons we're actually seeing more of it now in the last few years interestingly but uh, there certainly was a period where they weren't doing that so I think good on Matt Penny for doing that and he should come back uh, I think a more confident rounded better player person and everything and he's only 22 I, I think the key for me with Matt Penny will be deciding on his best position so there shouldn't be any faffing around with let's have him left back one match let's have him left wing another match let's put him in central midfield as they did in the Sheffield Derby um, under Jos Luká a year and a half or so ago Um That has to go. He needs, I think, a settled position, Uh, and and because I mean, the one I always think of in the Premier League over the years has been John O'Shea. John O'Shea, I think, was ruined by Man United because he had one year where he was great at being Mister Versatile and adaptable, but then he never he didn't settle on a position, and then ended up moving on at Man United because he was Mister Utility. That's what he was. So I, I, I don't want that to happen with Matt Penny uh, so yeah hopefully it will be left back left wing Wednesday Gary Munk will look at it and just go right that's his best position that's where I see him playing and challenging for a place in the side
0: he needs to make the position his own, but he's also coming back to a bit of a clean slate because of course Gary Monk wasn't the manager when Matt Penny went out on, on loan. So I guess they've had very little in terms of their dealings with each other. We know that Matt Penny was back over at Christmas time. So I'm guessing that there, you know, there was conversations or meetings and they, they probably know each other, but um not really had the chance to work together. So it feels like a bit of a clean slate for Matt Penny. Um obviously I've got more of a vested interest in, in most in terms of watching St Pauli matches and I've said a a few times that He's, he's certainly um, he, he's not particularly stood out this season he has played quite a few games he scored St Pauli's goal of the season in their away game at their arch rivals HSV so you know he he will actually you know kind of forever be remembered by St Pauli fans um, but I doubt anyone's going to be overly disappointed there that he's not kind of staying on um, but similarly you know he is working under Jos again who um, we know kind of you know he, he switches things around you know Matt Penny had a it to start and then be on the bench the next game and then start and then be on the bench. He's not had a clear run in the team. In fact, since the restart, he's played one, he's been on the bench for one and then he's not even been making it into the matchday squads for for the last two or three games. So, um, you know, he's, he's, he's suffered from that issue again of being in and out of a team. So, fingers crossed that, um, you know, he does get a decent run in the team and can show what he can do.
1: Oh, sorry, I was going to say, I just think lastly on Azazi Urugidi, I think what I'd like to see with him next season, I think for his development, it'd be v- beneficial for everybody if he actually went out on loan. I'm not sure he's going to get the game time at Wednesday. Um, it, it, I, I, you know, I think his preferred position or, or where I think they see him in the long terms at centre half, and that's where you know where Wednesday have loads of options right now, and even at right back where he's had some good games and, and mixed matches uh, for Wednesday in the run-outs he's had. Look, they've got Liam Palmer and it looks as if they're, you know, they're going to carry on with Liam Palmer and Moses Odebagio. So he's not going to get much of a look in. So I, I think it's going to be fairly inevitable that Azar Zirighidi will end up going out on low
0: I think that's the right thing, though. I think it'll be good for him as well. I completely agree with you um, on um, on that one. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, let's hear it from um, Gary Monk. Um, so you caught up with him on uh, on good old Zoom um, earlier this week. So let's see what he's got to say.
2: The first thing is, I think we all understand how difficult it is for the EFL to put this all together and and, and send that out to the clubs and and give those guidelines. It's, it's a you know extremely difficult situation for them um, in terms of. The return date, yeah, look, yeah, think if we we're honest, yeah, we were all taken aback by that, you know, having spoken to other managers and, and people at other clubs. I think we all were, you know, I think the fact the fact of that really was there was no prior correspondence or consultation to that return date, which kind of was surprising for us. And then, um, and then when you put the backdrop to it that I think it's well known, we've always been working pretty much minimum of a week behind the Premier League. Um, and then with the fact of you know we had a managers meeting a few weeks ago with the EFL, with the managers in the championship, and one thing that we all asked for, you know, kind of thought it was in agreement, that we would have a, a minimum of three weeks contact training. So considering that we, when that announcement comes, you know contact contact training hadn't even been signed off. We didn't even know when it was going to be, and it's only just been signed off yesterday. So um, the fact that for ourselves, if we us as an example, our first contact will be on Thursday. So. To then have the players ready in two and a half weeks and you've only just started contact training is, yeah, it's a, a huge risk um, in terms of injuries and preparation,
1: though, that if we're honest about it. I think, you know, if, we all adhere, if everyone's adhered to the, the guidelines and returned on the 25th, then I think there's no manager that could sit here and, and say to you honestly that two and a half weeks of contact training is good enough
2: preparation for the players to then go and play an intense... You know batch of games so um, yeah it took us aback but um, yeah it's something that we're is obviously ongoing and we are uh, have to deal with it all I'm trying to do is concentrate on what we can do but yeah it's um, yeah strange in, in a certain sense that that was announced like that and yeah I always thought I think the general consensus amongst all the managers was that we were always working a week behind at least the Premier League and I think we kind of assumed that it would be you know we'd start the week after the Premier League um, you know, with that contact training, that minimum period, and, and that will be the case. But obviously, they've announced it um, earlier than that. And yeah, of course, it's far from ideal.
1: Following on from that, how confident are you that Sheffield Wednesday that you're going to be able to cope with the financial impact of this crisis?
2: Well, I think um, yeah, the club is still going through that. Like I said to you before, didn't I? You know, it's going to take a little bit of time to work out exactly. I think because there's no clarification on anything and quite understandably you know like the future of fans been allowed back into stadiums stuff no one knows at this moment um, so in terms of revenue streams and stuff like that it's very hard to nail or predict I think you can predict it or try and get some sort of ballpark figures on, on certain things but of course clubs are missing huge revenue streams at this moment in time as a business so to try and predict that because there's no clarification on it you know when the next season starts yet um in terms of this season finishing, when does next season start, when does the trend you know, there's been no talk on transfer, window, all those sort of things, yeah. It's very hard to predict but what I do know is is, is the owner here has is, is a huge amount of investment into the club and is, you know, is in safe hands in, in that respect, he very much wants to look after the club, you know, in terms of his intentions and I think they're just, you know, the club as a whole is trying to work its way through and try and get some sort of plan So that will take time, that will come more and more with certain stages as more clarification comes.
1: There's been a lot of speculation in the last few days about Morgan Fox and Stephen Fletcher linking them with various clubs do you fear that you might lose them this summer?
2: Well I've had conversations with them and they know very much that I want them to stay uh, and the club has been in, in talks with them, of course when this hit um, you know, obviously we're in um, much heavier conversations um, going, leading up to this, then this here, this kind of took presidents on terms of what we can do it was all a bit of a shock it was all new to everyone then obviously the club understanding where we're at I think there's mm-hmm. so much unknown but of course those those two you talk about there you know that we were in conversations and we're still in conversations with those two my hope is that they stay um, we'd like them to stay beyond this season um, they know that um, and then it'll be down to the decisions of those players um, mm-hmm. with the conversations that they're having with the club contractually so um, yeah I'm, mm-hmm. I'm hopeful and I want them to stay they know that you know the two of them know that and then um, hopefully that they, they can be in agreement and um, an understanding of you know how the situation has changed with this pandemic when it's here and how that's changed a lot of the landscape mm. across football. um so hopefully that yeah my hope is that they know that I want them to stay they know that the club wants them to stay and hopefully we can come to that agreement we still have time for that and, and those conversations are
1: ongoing can you understand from their perspective why they they don't want to rush this defi- decision when you don't know yet what division you're going to be playing in next season but uh, everyone has their own preferences
2: everyone has their own ideas um, I haven't spoke to them particularly on that point they haven't stressed that point to me personally um, I think outside of it is we want them to be at the club we're showing them as a club that we want them here um, the club has looked after them very very well in the past mm. and um, and yeah our hope is that they that they want to stay and, and want to be here Um I can't speak for them in terms of their concerns. They haven't expressed those cons- particular concerns to me at all. Um, and yeah, hopefully we can, as I said, we still have time, and it'll be their decision at the end of the
1: day. I know that there's been contract offers on the table for them, and and it's for them to agree that with the club. So um, hopefully that can that can mm. come to a conclusion. Um, yeah, obviously as soon as possible, but definitely you know moving mm. into the next season. Last one for me uh, in terms of. The EFL charge, I asked you a couple of weeks ago about that. Has there been any movement on that since? Uh, and and if, worst case scenario, there is a point deduction, as far as you understand, will it apply to this season? Or would it be next season? When would it apply? Well, uh, mm. uh, yeah.
2: my communication, I'm the football manager. Yeah. I'm not a, a club administrator or anything like that. Um, my job's not to be involved in the conversations that are actually happening, what my job is is to understand what's coming or what nots coming and and what's likely to be of course because then I can understand what we need to do on a football pitch but I'm not in those conversations with the EFL and the club um, and then what I rely on is and I have good communication with, with the guys at the club in terms of what's likely or what is coming, is there anything in the near future so that side of it, if I'm honest with you the last two weeks have been so, snowballed with these protocols and return to trainings and planning for training sessions, different types with those protocols. That's where my focus has been. I rely on the club to communicate to me, um, you know, if there's anything on that side of things that is likely to happen um, and communicate that to me in, in that way. So, there's been nothing in terms of, you know, the club have stressed to me any concerns on that side of it or the likelihood of this or timings of that um, side of it. So, um, yeah, that's all I can say from my side of it. I've been you know, now I'm just concentrating solely on the organisation of the football side of it, which is my job. So um, I leave that side to, to the administrative side of the club and as I said that they of course I need regular communication with them, but it's not into the detail of what's been said and what's been said there, it's more when that's coming or if that's coming, um, what's likely to happen, how would that affect in terms of of me and the team on the football, I, I know, must I have a slight tight. complaint really about
0: well around, um, so Gary Monk um, that if there's been one good thing from lockdown it's been the ability to have a good peer into someone's house when they're doing something on um zoom i can see now you have some you have some lovely storage boxes behind you for example um dom which are stacked in a not very neat manner which i would like to draw your attention to um gary monk i, I was kind of hoping that on zoom he'd have like his bookshelf in the background and we would be able to get an idea of the books that he reads I, I sort of imagine him being a bit of a harry potter fan don't know where that comes from um but he just had a plain background so i'm a bit i'm a bit disappointed with that. If you could pass on my complaint next time you speak to him, that would be appreciated.
1: Do you know what? I I think it's a little bit um, typical of the man, really, in that he's gone into uh, rooms when he's done his Zooms, and uh, it has been very plain in the background, so it's been very much a case of I'm giving very little away here. That's sort of the impression that I've always taken from it, really, and that he's quite a private man. We know he's got Um, you know, his three kids, but I I think, yeah, actually, um, that may be a little bit deliberate, really. It's interesting, I have noticed whenever he's been on TV and done interviews uh, on the other side of the city, uh, Chris Wilder, he's had, you know, the TV there and the background DVDs and whatever, you know, everything uh, going on. So he's been quite happy to... You know, have you know, they let people have a little peek into his house, but no, certainly, certainly not with Gary Monk. No, not so far.
0: I'm surprised Chris Wilder's not been doing it. Well, he's been on the bus on his way to the training ground, wearing his face mask and all uh, all that kind of stuff. Knowing what, uh, knowing what he's like. Um, all right, let's talk about. Um, well, let's talk about players whose contracts are up. That haven't yet had extensions. Um, so, I mean, I guess at this stage, we're talking here about potential outgoings, aren't we? And, and, and two that stand out. So Morgan Fox and Stephen with a V Fletcher. Um, still no movement there in terms of them, um, with, with any kind of contract renewals um what what do you kind of know on this is it is it a matter of talks ongoing is everything a little bit up in the air because of the situation that we find ourselves in and the club just not knowing what they've got to play with money wise or um it 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 seemed to be hinted the other day that Morgan Fox is is kind of ready to move on
1: there's been lots of speculation almost agent talk with them both this week and that I think will continue until yeah until the time that there's a decision made one way or another. Wednesday, they put their cards on the table. Gary Monk wants to keep them, he, he, and he, he said that preliminary talks they took place before coronavirus crisis, and that talks are still ongoing. They're still hopeful. They want to keep them both. Um, but the reality is, from their point of view, and uh, you know, you take Morgan Fox. Um, you focusing on him for a moment. So, Morgan Fox uh, certainly, that his best year Wednesday. He's 26, and uh, this move or, or what he decides to do now, he'd be looking. You would imagine at Sheffield Wednesday for, yeah, you know, he'd be expecting a long contract, minimum two years, probably pushing for three years. Uh, You know, and and, everything I've heard is that Morgan Fox loves it at Wednesday, enjoys uh, being at the club, as does Stephen Fletcher. But I I think part of the reason why it's up in the air, of course, is uh, our good old friend that we just can't ignore and can't stop talking about the EFL charge, which could be a game changer. And so if you're those players, Morgan Fox... Has got aspirations to try and get into the Wales national team, and he's very much on their radar. Wales are are actually blessed with loads of top left backs, and the form he's shown this season, he could certainly challenge and maybe potentially look at getting in that, in their squad. Like Ryan Giggs, I know, is a big fan of his, rates him, as does quite a few of um, the Welsh backroom staff. And so Morgan Fox does not want to be playing in League One next season. That's not going to be doing his chances of breaking in and getting into the Wales national team any good whatsoever, is it? So if Wednesday get hit with the points deduction and were relegated, uh, then he's got to weigh that up and he's got to be thinking, well, as a uh, career wise, it, it probably is. I'm, I'm not better off staying at Sheffield Wednesday, and so I think that's the sort of. Position that we find ourselves in, really, of where we're at, is at a bit of a standstill until things become clearer with the FL charge. What division Sheffield Wednesday are going to be playing in next season? I think it is quite difficult for these players who w- will be attracting interest, uh, and, and Fletcher and Fox, there are clubs who are monitoring that situation very closely. Yeah, they would like to stay at Sheffield Wednesday, but they don't really want to be dropping down into League One or be thinking about that. You know, they believe that they should be at least playing in the championship. So there are things that have to work themselves out really on that. So I I don't see it being resolved at the moment until we're back in the season and we, we know what's going on with the EFL charge, which is going to be your eye.
0: Which, uh, gosh, what a mess. What an absolute mess this is. Right. I mean, it's <laughs> it's like, you know, this is absolutely the time that we should be planning the future of the squad, and yet we don't even know what... I mean, when I talk about what league we're operating in, quite literally what league we're operating in, but also in terms of financially what what league we're operating in and and how much we've got to spend. I mean, I guess one's fairly conditional on the other, but um, it's... yeah, I mean, from a fan's point of view, it's just a bit of a nightmare, isn't it? Because you like you at least want to know that you've got some decent players tied up for next season, and you know there's there's less kind of you know room for kind of panic to set in a little bit, and you start worrying about like the state of the squad and stuff. But I, I take the point, you know, when you don't even know whether or not there's uh, a risk you're going to be starting the season in the third tier again. Um, how how can you know you? you would be planning anything at, at, at the moment at, at what point and and surely there's got to be a point where the EFL have got to accept that they've just got to they've got to make a call and say right this charge whatever happens will be next season
1: I don't Surely that's think... that's got
0: that's that's got to kick in at some point hasn't it because how it's it's impossible for a football club to make any sort of plans when when this is just lingering and festering. It's it's horrible. I,
1: I know what you're saying, James, but I, I, as far as I'm aware, and from what I understand, I think it, it has to kick in this season. And we've seen Barnsley, Lutz and the clubs at the bottom. They're not going to accept or take it lightly. Uh, that if the, if there are no points deductions, uh, or if the charges are not heard for Sheffield Wednesday and Derby uh, and Birmingham's still ongoing, so if they're not dealt with this season, that could have a huge impact on whether they stay in the division or not. It could send uh, you know, Derby or Wednesday. It could do, and so that and and also the charge happened in this season. So, uh, it, it, yeah. We're not happy at the time frame. It's mental. It's it's it should have been dealt with by now. That it's been seven months on. But I, I think really you have to say for the integrity of the competition, if there is there any points deduction or if Wednesday are found guilty or whatever, then I do think it probably has to take place in this season. I think that is right. I think what we're going to see as well is that the PNS rules. I I think. Will get changed. They, ha- they have to look at that and be adapted for next season. Right now, with the way that again the financial landscape has changed like, with the coronavirus crisis and everything, that I, I yeah you know, I don't think it can stay in like that. When when you've got clubs, that, their revenue streams have been hit hugely by this and will be the fact that they won't be getting the game receipts and they won't be getting fans coming through the turnstiles anytime soon. So I, I think on a wide issue. That's going to have to be seriously looked at. It's a huge issue
0: for clubs like Wednesday, who you know generally get quite big crowds. Um, uh, ticket prices is an entire different conversation, and I'm not justifying anything, but clearly we have higher ticket prices than uh, a lot of other clubs in the Championship, and that means it's a major source of revenue. And when that goes, it, it, uh, there's there's huge questions there. I mean, I'd, we, we could carry on doing talking about this for the next two hours quite easily so we should probably wrap it up at uh, at that point um, I mean we could say with some certainty that it's not the last time we're going to be having this conversation is it because it's certainly not it's not going away this um, this issue um, and we're not going to be sitting down a week from now to talk about its resolution it's it's going to drag and drag and drag and um, I just think I think it, it reflects badly on, on football it reflects, uh, it reflects so badly on something that's a sport and everything that we've talked about in this podcast about rushing to get the season restarted it's all stuff that's not got anything to do with actual football. You know, none of it's to do with the experience of, you know, we love football because the experience of going to a game and being with friends and stuff like that, and I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm just feeling disconnected with football as a whole right now, but um, all the stuff that's kind of going on at the moment has got nothing to do with what football is, is really about and um you know i guess we'll see how the next the next few weeks pan out maybe when when the season kicks off and we can sit and watch a game again maybe all that goes away but i don't know i don't
1: know let's hope so james it looks like it's not going to be long now
0: well, very true, very true. Um, we'll be back next week, hopefully. With um, we we might just have a, a bit of a special guest up our sleeves next week, but um, I can say no more than um, than that. So, uh, yeah, keep uh, keep an ear out for that. Um, you can catch Dom at Domhausen. I'm at James Marriott, or contact the show at Dom and James. Incidentally, thank you to the people that did comment about our discussion last week about um, Adam Reach um, and and Dom's preferred player. The um, the episode title suggestion of Dom lost the plot was considered um but unfortunately i was overruled by um by dom i'm sure you've noticed from the replies the majority of people supporting my view that adam reach should be um starting so that's not true, at all. To that's, to not true. That that's absolutely no, they're, true
1: they're absolutely not you read that you've clearly not read the rep- replies it was very 50 50 i tell you what go I back
0: read them again add no, them up, you'll no, see, it's quite um, clear, it's quite clear by, I think it's, I think it's about, probably about three to one that there's uh, no, people nonsense. saying that they agree with me, no, so, you know, um, you, tough, tough luck on that You're one in
1: dreamland again, James, there, no, I, I, I'm not having that, I think uh, it split opinion, that's certainly what it did, and yes, there was one fan who said I'd lost the plot, but there were others who certainly stuck up for me and said you were wrong, James, and I was right, so... There, I, th- I think
0: others is um, factually incorrect because you suggest that's plural, and I think there was only one that um, suggested. <laughs> I- I'll just, but, I'll know- just go
1: and like them now, James. Don't worry, I'll go like them on Twitter just to prove you wrong. Thank all. you
0: too. <laughs> Thank you to our gold sponsor Title Law. Um I'm pretty certain that Ollie would be on Team James on this one. Um you can find them at titlelaw.co.uk. Thank you for joining us. If you like singing the blues, please rate and review the show in your podcast app of choice. Up the Owls and see you next week.